0: Welcome to a football show Monday edition in what feels like a very normal week for the first time in months, in my life at least. Welcome to the show. Of course, a football show brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Jump into the comments. Of course, we've got lots of questions to get to about uniforms. Kevin Byard's contract, storylines and preview and camp battles, position battles for the Titans as camp opens up this week in a couple of days. Uh, Zach, how are you, sir? Good to see you, buddy. Doing good. Football's back. The ball's I, back, baby. Dude, like, so we had the NHL draft. We got SEC media days. We got the mayoral race. There's just so much shit happening in our town. I'm just so ready to stand on a field. And watch players run routes for a couple of hours. Like it sounds Good. so, it sounds so blissful. I can't wait to get out there. Of course, so we're going to preview all of our top storylines for Titans camp, some position battles, things that we're looking forward to. We're going to go back and forth, so we're going to have uh, a lot of fun. I yeah. So Jason's already asked about the Barbie review. I am not the moviegoer. That is Zach. He will tell you about it. I I, I think I saw some. Okay, sure. <laughs> I think I saw some photos floating around on social media. <laughs> yes, yeah. it was this a weekend. fantastic
1: movie. is it, it was a near perfect experience for the summer. Um, yeah, I would watch it again. I would even, almost would have done back to back showings if if people of asked. Oh, Barbie! Uh, Barbie. It was. It was. It's fantastic. It's. It's great for. It's great why? for everybody. It's great for everybody. I know the writing superb. The acting is superb. The message is good. I mean, it's like
0: it's like legit
1: a really good movie that is also really funny,
0: and it's not animated. No. Okay, I don't know anything about this. I was in a hotel for for four days straight last week. Well, I I mean,
1: I'll I'll say this: Barbie previews and everything you could have done has been out for like months. So, like, it's not like just in the last four days that Barbie. Suddenly don't shame appeared me out of nowhere
0: don't, don't shame me i don't give a shit about barbie movies i barely it's, it's give, I a, give a, shit a shit
1: about barbie movies it's just a, it's a really good movie it has nothing to do with barbie
0: and there's your review there you have it uh i i am i'm only mildly interested in oppenheimer because i happen to be interested in the subject matter uh but that's about it I, otherwise it i don't like a know
1: personal issue for you like this is something you need to go and reflect on off air like okay get some inner peace and Go enjoy movies. Find find joy. I in love other movies. things.
0: You know, I love, it's just
1: it's just really good.
0: I love movies. I do not. So first of all, I can't go to movies with my wife because the two kids can't go to any of the movies. Most of all, the things that are in the theaters are just Marvel stuff, tell which I kids. which I love. Uh, six and five, they can't go to. Mo- they can only go see like Little Mermaid, which is which was terrible. Oh, I, they could go I I see Barbie.
1: The the the, the theater them. was filled with six and five okay. year olds. So okay, you, all right. And they they were very well
0: behaved. Now maybe you have a behavioral <laughs> issue. I don't know. Oh no, no! Don't you talk shit? Okay, you can talk <laughs> shit about me. You cannot talk shit about my kids. Uh, and there's no, you don't need an excuse to wear a pink shirt, Ed. You can always yep. wear a pink shirt. Yep. Uh, we get everything streamed in our house. We're just more patient than everybody else. I don't need to pay the sixty five or seventy dollars to go watch on a night out when I can go pay sixty five or seventy dollars at a at you know buy myself some drinks from Sinker's go to one of our lovely uh, restaurant sponsors on the pod, uh, Jasper's or ML Rose. And then, and then like six months later, uh, I get it on the streaming service. So I, I, it's just not a thing that my family prioritizes. Um, My wife on her birthday, happy birthday, by the way, to my wife over the weekend, all she wanted to do was go on a family bike ride. And that's what we did. We go, we went on a family bike ride. We touched grass. That's what we did. Um, And if you like, if you liked, if you liked Barbie, that's great. That's, that's wonderful. I just Uh, like good movies. Who liked it better, you or Stony? Different.
1: I think we, I think Stony probably liked it the most, but um, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I don't. We didn't really compare like ratings or anything, and like got into Barbie philosophical discussions. Okay, we just basically all said, "Man, that's a really damn good movie." We could see why there are people, which is gonna sound crazy, I know, but we could see why people are pushing for Ryan Gosling to get
0: a Academy Award nomination for what he's done. I mean, it was just a really damn good movie. Didn't that's didn't even know he was in it. Who liked it better? Mrs. Lyons or Mrs. Keeley better? Uh, probably the same. I mean, I think I, I
1: don't, I don't think anybody in our group didn't had any, uh, Quarrels with the movie, so uh, Easton again. Says- we, we don't go around with report cards to and comparing scores or anything. We we I'm went just to Dave Buster's and drink beer and just enjoyed each other's company. I was,
0: I was just curious. I, don't know, liked,
1: I would like I don't like it the most.
0: That's all. Yeah. Uh, Easton Fourth largest box office weekend in the history of Hollywood, but Braden could not be bothered. No,pe don't give a shit. There's an election happening in our city. Uh, okay, Let, then which the is, Titans is, the Titans look, are about to open
1: Oppenheimer and Barbie is going to bring more joy to your life. And it can actually leave a lasting impression. Where this mayor race probably not going to really do anything.
0: Well, so, some attempt- gets voted,
1: it's probably going to be gone in the next election. <laughs>
0: You do you, I'll do me. It's okay that we like different things. It's okay. It's all right. It's 2023. You can
1: like multiple things. It's a, You have this problem where you can't like multiple things at once. You're very one-track minded. I, I've no, I
0: just don't care. I just don't care. Uh, okay. Uh, Titans, I do care about positional battles. I care about backup quarterback, receiving core, all some uh, you know, left tackle, right tackle. We're going to discuss what, what we think is important to watch coming up in Titans camp, give you guys a quick overview of all that's, that's going on. The SEC media poll, the voting happened and there was some interesting stuff. There was some tomfoolery, some, some shenanigans in those vote in those votes, uh, but also some interesting stuff that we'll get to. Uh, Joe Milton was a third-team all-SEC quarterback. That was interesting, as well as the Bama-LSU split, so we'll get to some of that as well. The Kevin Byard contract is already the inbox.com. Check that out. Zach's already got something up for you guys, so make sure you go look at that. Uh, and football and other efforts coming up this week, I'm assuming, will be spicy. Uh, so, Let's start with the uniforms. And I have a, a question that I hope that no one else is asking about this particular uh, subject. Because I don't think anyone disagrees that the uniforms are cool. <laughs> like, like, they're awesome. So I like it better
1: than, the, than any other iteration of Titans uniforms out there. I wish, they, I, I I wish the people of Nashville that were old curmudgeons back in the early 90s when this team moved, or late 90s when the team moved here, weren't such dipshits. And demanded a, a small section of Nashville populace change the course of the coolest uniforms and all that kind of stuff just because,
0: you know, just because they're idiots. Yeah. Uh, so they were 1981 to 1998, which includes the state of Tennessee, folks like they were yeah. the Tennessee Oilers. I have to remind new fans that they were the Tennessee Oilers. The, the logo is one billion. That's science. One billion percent better than mm-hmm. the flaming thumbtack. I do think that the rebrand that happened a couple years ago under Amy Adams Trunk has at least taken a step in the right direction to make them yeah, a little the helmets more, help.
1: more. The colored helmets the, help them Yep. Out.
0: The dark blue. I think there was, it's a little bit more palatable and these will replace the light blue, which was always the weirdest uniform of the new Titans uniforms. Um, so I don't think there's any argument about like the logo being better and the colors being better. And like the, they just look slick as hell and they're going to sell a shit ton of them. And they're going to make a bunch of money and all this other stuff. I think my question is, my question about the coverage and the conversation, I don't understand the secrecy behind like unveiling them. Like we, we you could watch a YouTube video of the Oilers from for like two decades and see what they look like. But I, I guess my question is, is it appropriate coverage to cover and talk about and consume ourselves with things like logos and uniforms? Because while they feel very insignificant, to the like what's happening on the field and what's meaningful football analysis and who's going to be wide receiver one and how's the offense going to look under Tim Kelly like none of those things are even close to relatable but having done this for 20 years Zach there are very few things that get more clicks in the entire sports world than uniforms and logos and so isn't that a pretty important part of our sports fandom it like shouldn't we be dedicating time to things like this Or is it just noise that gets annoying because it's a uniform, it's a logo, it's not football?
1: I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask, right? Because, like, PK, you know, he puts out this tweet on July 20th. Amazingly, the Titans' Oilers throwbacks look like what the Oilers wore. While it will be cool to see them in use, I just didn't get the suspense for an unveiling of an old uniform we know what they look like. And then turns around and writes a whole fucking article about it. (laughs) clicks so he knows yeah yeah so he knows that it drives clicks and he knows that his negative attitude also drives clicks it's just funny i think my thing was was the long drawn out process of it because like the seahawks unveiled their uniform just out of the blue Uh, i mean i didn't know that they were going to be doing those kinds of throwbacks maybe the they did but then they you know they did a 90s theme they changed their website this whole thing you know, the Titans have been advertising this thing for two years, right? Because when it got announced, they initially went out to do it. Then they did these silly oil videos for a while. And then they make you wait to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on a Sunday night. Like what and for yeah, a 30 weird. second video that's weird. It was okay. Like, I don't know. I, I think I think it's great, right? I love that they did little things here and air, like this week, the the walking of the foot you know, the walking up to pick up the helmet to actually reveal what the helmet was, and then there was the, you know, flashing of which helmet it may be. Like, to me, we know what the uniforms look, but, like, the love you blue on the collar. That's right, right, something. Right. Were they going to have the Tennessee Oilers patch? Where What color was the helmet going to be? And the, the red face, all that stuff. Right, right. But all this to say is that I love the a lot of these retro uniforms, but I think the way the Titans went about unveiling theirs leaves a lot to be desired from from a personal standpoint this is not a fact it's just my my personal right, view right.
0: of it and I think that's sort of the beauty of this. Like, we could have a very intelligent, thoughtful, nuanced conversation about the tackle positions along the offensive line. Andre Dillard, NPF, free agent, people there working out, backups, Jalen Duncan. We could have a really eight, a good eight or ten minute conversation about that, and we might today. <laughs> but, but that right there will not drive – that will not gain as much traction or interest or clicks or views or whatever you th- – versus like us debating – Like the '80s Patriots uniform with like the long snapper on it, versus the Bucks creamsicles, versus the Seahawks '80s, versus this Oilers uniform. And if we had a debate about that, more people are going to be interested in that. And I I find myself normally with those types of topics saying, "Jesus Christ, this is garbage. What are we doing?" But uniforms are such a huge part of being a sports fan. We wear them on our backs. We watch them for every second of the game. Like there's such a huge part of it that while it is not meaningful to the winner or the loss. It is incredibly meaningful to fans, and I don't think it's a throwaway topic. I don't think
1: it is. It is so super meaningful to fans. The, yes. the way the fans complain about certain numbers on certain jerseys, like a three <laughs> on a Titans uniform, and a, and they could hate, but a three on the the you know uh, a shitty ass orange Volunteers uniform, they'll love. Like I know that's the minute details of the stuff like that is lost on me. Now you unleash a horrid hideous jersey like the Colts jersey the this Indianapolis midnight jersey yeah that's bad but and i I, they chose the screenshot that is the main promo are these two thin white guys who i don't even know who they are but they're wearing (laughs) like these loose the two alex the problem is is that they (laughs) they they are wearing these uh the the shirts underneath the long sleeve t-shirt haynes t-shirt underneath it which makes it look 10 times worse like who shot that and thought Mm -hmm. okay this is the guys we got to use and this is what they got to wear i love but i i get it i love these uniforms because i was talking about this morning but someone else put out a tweet it really had me thinking they put this uniform side by side with the seahawks uniform which to me they are the two best throwbacks so far this year Uh, I'd put the creamsicles in a second. None of the reveals besides Seattle's was any good, by the way. But I think that when you put them side by side, they're somewhere along the way. And I don't know if it's just the way the fashion worked or the way that the NFL decided they thought was best. Whoever's in charge of designing uniforms and they saw as best. They moved away from these distinct, bright, vivid colors that were different than... It's kind of almost like NBA jerseys. Like NBA jerseys are just so multiple and stuff. At some point, I wish they would have gotten back to that. Like I want more vivid colors. I don't need more like gradients. I don't need like funky fonts on there, you know, comic stands or whatever you want to use.
0: Well, it was the Broncos, like like in the late it was the Broncos in like the late nineties that went from like the old orange crushed jerseys to like the ones with like the piping right here that were blue. And it was Terrell Davis and John Elway. And I remember that being like a huge shift into this modern world and the Miami hurricanes and college football did it right. They had the the piping right here and like we added all this weird stuff to it and now like so i don't know i want to know what you think about the jets and giants uniforms because i don't like the jets going back. I,
1: I don't know what the fucking difference is
0: you you so, cannot tell me
1: what i don't know no. other than the logo i don't The the jets the white ones they revealed today look just like the the ones okay. they always wear i yeah. was talking
0: about the switch they made like i think it was either last year or the year before where they went back to the like rich co-tight 90s looking jets but when they go back to the N, like it's the it's the it's the football logo on the white helmets that look so much better because it's the 60s and 70s from the 80s green helmet with the jets across the side. Yeah. Just like the when the Giants switched from like that's they, another
1: one that got lost on me. I didn't see any difference
0: then when they switched to the NY on the side yeah. and made it retro like the old school stuff like everything goes around fashion wise. I understand that we all yeah. have like these 30 year cycles of whatever the shit's popular. I get it. But the, but I, I agree with you on like the, where the NBA loses me is where they have like 14 versions of one team's uniform. Like I can't I can't deal with that.
1: I like the when they do this city, the city uh, view or the city jersey series or whatever. I think those, those are, are, cool. are great. I really like all the the jerseys. I like the Vancouver stuff. So like when the Memphis stuff, when the Memphis Grizzlies do the Wear Vancouver those Grizzlies yeah. and do those and all that kind of stuff. I'm all in like you can I'll buy it all. I mean, it's kind of like the Oilers stuff. I, I will buy all the oilers. I won't buy a jersey, but I'll buy all the oilers secondary gear.
0: It is the only Tennessee f- professional football team <laughs> gear that I would ever think about putting money into is the old oil, derrick and the old color scheme. Because to your point about the colors, how many teams in professional sports have some combination of red, white and blue? it just there, there's just so many of them, whether it's just red and white, whether it's just blue and white, whether it's red and blue, like there's just so many in college and professional sports that that is just such a basic thing. And the Oilers are total. the, the, the it's just different. It's totally different with like that neon red and the baby blue. Yeah. And I and it goes to I, the, the I still don't understand the thumbtack the flaming thumbtack. I don't I don't understand it. And it's not trying to be
1: well, it's supposed I'm not trying to be, to be overly negative, you know, but like there's a there's the Greek sword, and then there's the, the torch that that's what is supposed to all represent. And then you got the flag, it's too many symbols crammed into one symbol. That's <laughs> the problem. They're, they're trying to do the Tennessee flag, two different Greek symbols, and then you know, trying to you know, throw something. You know, it's just to me, it's yeah, just yeah, like, it's too much. It's just it's too much.
0: much. So I I think my question is, and I I don't know what we accomplished, but it's a fun conversation for me because I find it interesting that it is such a, like, it it is not a meaningful topic football-wise. It doesn't affect games. Right. And most Twitter conversations that just stir shit up, that get people so engaged and enraged are largely silly, stupid, meaningless conversations. Right. But uniforms, for like a nine-year-old kid, like I remember they just hats and uniforms mean so much to people and i totally get it like i don't like the packers um i don't, I don't like almost any of the packers uniforms <laughs> except for oh, the really? one that well i like their their very random new like it's their third one that's like the color rush jersey but it's like dark green with like weird yellow stripes because it looks like it's from 1968 like that's why yeah. i like it and and so I don't know. It's just it's just one of those random topics I wanted to bring up because I think people are yeah, red face mask is dope. I agree. Yeah, like I, people, the fans have been clamoring
1: for ever that they incorporate more red into their jerseys. This is not a new thing, and I wish they they're yeah. fine. Obviously, you know it's a lot easier when the Oilers kind of lay the groundwork for it, but I wish they would have done that in the newest
0: ones. Added a little bit more red yeah. tweaks to it. Uh, currently wearing a red shirt, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages, of course, right there. Sinkers Beverages uh, in East Nashville. Sign up for the in crowd. We're going to have some cool allocations for you guys coming very, very soon for our Russell's uh, barrel pick that we went up in, and had a choice. We're going to have a couple cases to give away, so make sure you go sign up for the in crowd. Make sure you're signing up. Uh, Bluegrass as well in Hendersonville. Is it the B.O.B.? Is that what it's called up there? B.O.B. Make sure you sign up there. So make sure you sign up either at Bluegrass or Sinkers, and we'll have opportunity to give some stuff away, of course, for you guys. Always a great selection of uh, beverages. Always a great great selection of wine. They, they, they're in there making cocktails for you guys. They have tastings in there as well. And, of course, you can search Uber Eats and have the booze delivered directly to your house. They right?
1: drive so you can drink.
0: Kingston Group as well. BuildKG.com is the website. We've, you know, they've been a a great partner for ours basically since the very first like (laughs) spring of that. This company existed almost three years ago. Uh, And I just, they do fantastic work. And if you need something done on your home, big, small, large renovation, custom build, buying or selling, just talk to them, have a conversation, ask what you need to ask. They're going to help see you through that process, whether they're a part of it or not. That is how gracious they are with their time and their energy and their resources. So just talk with them. The Kingston Group, they will absolutely do right by you. My family uses them, so so should you. Okay, Kevin Byer's contract. I recommend signing up uh, and subscribing to stackintheinbox.com. Zach, you provided a quick little analysis to the entire portion of the contract so before we get into the details the cap savings what this means for the future of kevin Byer, which i find to be the most interesting part of this conversation uh just quickly break down for everybody what actually took place did kevin Byer take a pay cut like the story was back in march
1: technically yes i mean if you if you are taking less money in a given year than what you originally set, and this is if you look at the cash the yearly cash he was supposed to get paid. If you're taking less money in year in a year, and it's not guaranteed that you're gonna get it the next year back and earn it, then yes, you took a pay cut. But this was also how basically it was going to work anyway. If they if what Ian had said, Rap Sheet had said, which turned out to be like just completely wrong, by the way. I mean, I've never seen someone get a contract wrong at the end of the day like that. But even if it was incentive based and they turned it into incentives and he had to earn it, he would have had to hit everything to get the incentive. And those incentives are dubbed not likely to be earned because they're not likely to be earned. <laughs> like is legit what there's, they're set up to do. So he was going to take a pay cut either way, but this was a renegotiation. I know there is an element of a restructure, but you have to remember a restructure does not need the permission of the player he got a signing bonus or basically a restructure bonus because he negotiated to take four million additionally and put it into next year basically what they did was swap the yearly cash between 2024 and 2023 and the cap hits of 2024 and 2023 the only difference is is that if he is not on the roster which is likely going to be march of 2024 If he's not on the roster by the start of the league year or they don't have a negotiated contract and he's cut, he is going to
0: lose $4 million, which essentially means he walked away with $4 million less. Uh, so nineteen point six million was his hit. Now his cap hit will be eleven point seven million. The cash, as you mentioned, goes from fourteen to eleven. There's the three million dollar pay cut that you're talking about. The cash on hand goes from fourteen to eleven. That then switches next year, right? It goes from eleven up to fourteen. So he's got to be on the roster next year to realize that money. It essentially is a two year twenty five million dollar contract, for lack of a better, uh, just very simplified way of putting it. Uh, he's got thirteen million dollars, I believe, in dead cap money. Because he
1: also took a lesser base year. salary next year as well. Right. It still doesn't matter. But some of the portion of his 2024 base salary was incorporated in the one of the bonuses,
0: if you will. And he goes from $14.7 million cap hit next year to a $19.5 million cap hit. So, again, everything just inverts from one year to the next. The Titans can walk. And this is, to me, like the more interesting part of this. Because the Titans can. There's two automatic void years that happen in 25 and 26. That's just going to happen. But they can, as you said, they can walk away and cut him at in before the start of next year, league year, in March of 24. If that were to happen, there is some dead money, as I mentioned, on the cap for next year. But it, it that is, to me, the first line of demarcation for the future of the Tennessee right. Titans and Kevin Bayard. No is doubt. That, that now things have to either, they have to either decide we are done with Kevin Byard in March of 2024, which is possible, or... We have until then to renegotiate a new contract that, that will eliminate all of this and create his probably, and I think you said this in the article, like what would be probably his last contract, maybe in the NFL, but certainly as a Tennessee Titan.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a deadline. Uh, you, you these are standard across the league. This is not something they cooked up and decided only due to Kevin Bayer. Do you remember there was a deadline for Derek Carr just last year? And they we all knew. That they were they he had to be cut at a couple of days after the Super Bowl. Here you have till March, and what they are doing is putting negotiations not really on the back burner, but not at the forefront of their mind, and focusing on twenty twenty three. This this was this is an obvious play for both sides, right? So you as the Titans are buying time to renegotiate with a player, okay? To whether that's an extension or. likely an extension. But if you cut them, you're off the hook for $4 million while you created over $8 million in cap space in this immediate year. And really, you don't change anything from next year other than you may have like a couple million dollars higher, I believe it what it was, is a couple million dollars higher of dead cap now. So the, the plan is simple. If they can't get a contract set up, or they're not in a place where they have enough good faith between two parties to let the deadline pass. He is going to get cut. It's just as simple as that. And that's, that's, that is what that deadline is, what that money is for. He will get paid that money in an extension, obviously, because you reconfigure stuff and he'll get paid some of that money. And then it wouldn't be a pay cut. And technically if you, If you get your contract renewed, it wouldn't be a pay cut anyway. But this, they obviously could not find the time or settle on the number for this year. And this is like a handshake, handshake, nod, nod, wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of deal. And you scratch our back, we'll pay you $7 million up front if you push this over here. And how much we're going to do and all this kind of stuff, you know, that's kind of what this is.
0: So he turns 30. On August seventeenth, so in a couple of weeks he'll turn thirty. So he's entering his year thirty season. He has played one hundred and fourteen out of one hundred and fourteen games. I just want to point that out. Um, how how dependent is his future on how he plays this season? A one hundred percent tied to it's if he all gave, or
1: yeah, that they they didn't really want to pay him anything, right? I mean, like they are tr- we're asking him. This is. They were asking them to take a pay cut. They got what they wanted. And you don't ask someone to take a pay cut if you value them long-term. Because, obviously, they could have spent time doing something different, and they could have waited and changed stuff around. Because you didn't need all of this money, theoretically, that they generated for this year. Right. So, to me, this is like, if his play falls off... If he gets injured and it's a really bad injury, like a season-ending injury at his age, if those two things happen or one of those two things happens, then they're off the hook. They don't have to pay him next year, and he will likely be gone and be – and it will be under the guise of we couldn't really come together on a deal, but we want him to be able to hit free agency and see what they got. Because remember, when that guarantee hits at the start of league year, They they're on the hook for it or the other team is on
0: the hook for it as well. If they decide to try to trade them. Yep. Uh, And so I, listen, I I think, I I guess the reason I asked that is not so much like, if he's injured or hurt or the play clearly declines, like they're obviously baking that into the decision making. As you said, they were already doing it like
1: if he only gets like two interceptions, right. but he's still very good. Or if he doesn't get a pro bowl or opera, that doesn't really matter. It's just about his play on the field.
0: That, 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 what, right. Right. What I mean is, is like it could go downhill because he's getting older. And if it goes downhill, well, they've baked that into the, the process. Mm-hmm. Right. That was the whole point of the pay cut. Yes, it was also in, in in order to bring in DeAndre Hopkins and try to give Kevin a chance to have a winning team this year to win the division this year and compete this year, which you could argue is good for Kevin Byard, right? Uh, and every player on the team. But I think my the question is more about like, how good does he have to be to earn an extension? And if he doesn't drop off at all and plays all 17 games again, which he has never not done in his career, which is pretty impressive for a player his age and his caliber, it's don't you have to seriously consider bringing him back? I mean, I guess. Maybe- oh, yeah,
1: I think that's the plan. But they have to get the extension done yeah. like they 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 have the deadline. It's like and and that league year that from Super Bowl to the league year beginning is such a long feeling, even though it's only a few weeks, it's only like yeah. four or five weeks. But you got the combine in between that you got the senior bowl in between that. So they're going to have plenty of time. It's like they, you know, they went up to the really we don't know much about Rand Carthon's negotiation ability and free agency with current players, but they, they went long into before with Harold Landry right up into the deadline. So you have right up until the deadline to do it, more than likely, unless they do it like a couple of days after league year or something else. You know,
0: I'm kind of springing this on you. It doesn't have to be a long conversation, but we did this sort of a couple of weeks ago. Like, how do we evaluate Rand Carthon? And and so far, Jeffrey Simmons is a is a big check mark. You got the Kevin Byard contract sort of figured out because as we've yeah, said before, you not- got what he wanted he got what he wanted and for weeks we said like this is going to be a thing until it's not a thing and then when it's not a thing it's not a thing anymore now it's not a thing anymore but until march of 2024 um and then of course uh deandre hopkins gets signed so i i think i think in this last month dude has done some work if 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 It all works out. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, he's done. He's been very proactive and he's done stuff that he needed to do anyway. I mean, I told everybody in February that this contract needed to be messed with at some point. And I'll be the same tweet. I tweet next year. Once the Titans are eliminated from the playoffs, the first step is figuring out what to do with Kevin Byard's contract. Because they are not going to let him play on a $19 million cap hit. (laughs) They're just not. I told you guys that already, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you now so you can go ahead and write it down. You know, I when I tweeted that tweet last year or in February and I get all these people say, oh, they're not going to mess with it. They're, you know, all these replies. And I think three people bookmarked it because you could see how many people bookmarked it. I really <laughs> want to know who bookmarked it and say, hey, how about
0: them bookmarks? How about them bookmarks? T-shirts, T-shirt. Yeah. How about them bookmarks? Uh, OK, well, that that about does it. I think it was pretty obvious it was happening. And then, of course, now we've got another Bayard contract watch next next spring. So mm-hmm. uh, there you have it again. I think he he and Derek Henry, the two longest tenured players on the team right now. And again, 114 games out of 114 games played. Just pretty, pretty impressive, dude. Uh, what do you think about it? Not that that's that that goes without saying. All right. Some camp questions here. I thought we could kind of go back and forth on this because as I don't listen to a ton of radio every now and then I catch sort of the conversations that are happening in the ether and radio and newspapers and websites and, you know, Twitter sphere, I guess it's X, whatever the fuck it is now. Um I, I, I am curious what storylines you think are meaningful, which ones are interesting to you and which ones you don't find interesting at all. And I'm going to, I'll start with one that I, I, I think is kind of interesting, but I'm not sure it'll, it'll match the coverage. And that is the backup quarterback situation. <laughs> like I just don't, I don't think it matters to the team who is the backup quarterback. It absolutely matters. No, it is right. No, my, let me finish my point. Ryan Tannehill is the starting quarterback for all 17 games. And that is the way you win the division. End of discussion on the starting quarterback. Who is the backup to me is a fun thing to watch, but hopefully should have no bearing on the win loss record of the team. Like, but it I, has a bearing on the future of the team. Sure. Like
1: that, that, is, that is the aspect that needs to be covered. Okay, so we saw Malik Willis bounce back to a acceptable backup level quarterback job, supposedly, from what you guys have seen. From last year, what we last saw Malik Willis to this year. We saw Will Levis have his struggles, but it absolutely matters that someone wins decisively and looks good doing it. And how do they handle from when they were off to when they're back? So has Will Levis made great strides? Has Malik Willis made even bigger strides? That stuff matters. I agree with you that it ultimately does not affect the 2023 season, but it does affect the future. And that is what is important about the backup conversation.
0: Sure. I guess I I, I think – I guess your my, maybe my follow-up would be uh, it doesn't matter who wins it now like I agree with you analyzing will Levis against will Levis is important analyzing Malik Willis against Malik Willis is important analyzing them against each other is very important I, I think it can be I think all that matters is next year analyzing them against each other and what they and maybe what? tracking tracking them but they're they're not to me they're not comp- I don't know. I'm trying to. Maybe I'm not articulating this well, but if if Will Levis wins the backup
1: job, that is a big story for Malik Willis's future with the team because he's probably not going to be here next year. If that is the case, he may not even make the roster. If okay, that is do, the you, case. So that's do you? So that's very not, important. For, true, do and you, that explains about Will Levis to me.
0: Do you not expect that to happen?
1: I I don't know. I mean, I have to see them play preseason. I mean do I expect it to happen based on what you guys have said that you have seen? No. And I have to rely on what you guys have seen at training camp and what you guys have reported. Uh, I mean, I,
0: I, I would be surprised if Will Levis is not the backup quarterback. And if he is not, then it's a story, but if I, he is, yeah. it's not a story to me. Like he's the backup quarter. He was drafted in
1: the, I think where, it is a story though. Not in the okay, sense right. that I don't think it's a story in like, I think it's a story that they believe enough in what they've seen from Will Levis in preseason that a guy like Malik Willis can't can't even beat him out. That is a good thing for this team. That has a bearing on how he's perceived heading next year, heading into next year, and it perceive it's a big thing about Ryan Tannehill's status. It's a very okay. It's a very. It, I agree with you in the sense that. It does not. It's not the like. It's not some hot like declaration on twenty twenty three, because it is the the mystery is out of the bag, right? Like there is no mystery who the starting quarterback is, right? There's, but there is a complete mystery surrounding what Will Levis is versus what Malik Willis is, and what they what the team views them to be in the future, okay? And how that affects Ryan Tannehill in 2024 heading in 2024 that, that's there's a lot of layers to the story
0: there, there are and maybe i am just maybe my perception and perspective is just different than everybody else's which is that malik willis is not a starting quarterback in the nfl he's not going to be a factor long term for the titans but all that matters is if will levis loses the job if will levis shows that he is not good enough or not ready or not so technically X, he y, does not have the job
1: I mean, I know no, that I, is the but, assumption, right? Like the assumption is, oh, well, we'll have this number two. But Mike Vrabel is pretty clear that the way that he has ran this team, you have to earn your spot. The only person yeah. who has their spot secured is Ryan Tannehill, right? Like in the quarterback room. And he's the it, only guy yeah. that has a, uh, in the quarterback room secured. These two are fighting and battling okay. for the, the spot. And that's what, the, that's what Mike Vrabel wants. That's what the team wants. They want someone to win not someone to lose if that makes sense
0: no totally agree with you they absolutely want it to be a competition i would to me it is not a story if will levis wins that battle out of camp it is a huge story if he loses the job out of camp that that's maybe that's the way i I should i should say i I think think
1: it's a little bit of both because i think it's how you frame the story you know and that's what you won't get on radio right like you're not gonna get the the nuance that you're looking for in radio That you that you personally And I think our listeners and readers And all that kind of stuff The people who follow our work You're not going to get that from radio You're going to get like the hot takes Or the, the right. This means that right. Ryan That Malik Willis uh, uh, This means that Ryan Tannehill's days are numbered
0: Will Levis is a and, bust <laughs> Yeah,
1: you're going to get all that kind of stuff yeah, 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 and Whereas you. really If you frame the story the correct way which, which I think is the bigger discussion Is how should media okay. be framing this particular story, it should be: How does this affect the future? Does will is Will Levis? What's his progression behind the scenes as well? Like it's it's yep. a it's a it's a, continu- it's a continual story that has to be followed and monitored.
0: I, I agree. To me, it is almost like ninety nine percent about Will Levis. Yeah, Like it's that. Rand Carthin is the GM. He didn't draft Malik Willis. He drafted Will Levis. Will Levis was a first round grade pick to be the successor for Ryan Tannehill. This to me is exclusively about Will Levis in my brain. Right. And that's, and that's the framework that I have, I guess. And maybe that's why I came into this conversation thinking like, what's the point of this conversation? And then, well, no, like it's about Will Levis's situation. And, and, and like, to me, that's about Will Levis versus Will Levis. And, and it's,
1: that's- it's, To me, it's about can Malik Willis do what people all said he could do? Yeah. Can he yeah. overcome, learn, adapt and thrive? Right. Because, I mean, this offense, technically, if you if you had said that this offense is going to be the exact same of the Houston Texans offense, which is basically just someone running around and throwing deep, which is what Deshaun Watson ultimately did a lot of it would sound like it would fit malik willis pretty well yeah. and it's not as complicated so it's very interesting because it's very interesting to see to me the malik willis aspect of the story is very interesting because he's the guy putting in the work right like he's putting in the work he's keeping his head down he's humble he is trying 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 but is it is is being a good guy and trying good Good enough enough Like yeah. Yeah. and that's that to me is an interesting part of the story
0: by the way will levis now contractually a tennessee titan just to make sure we all got that across um uh so then give me give me give me one of yours give me the top storyline give me the top thing that you can't wait to see because i've got one that's not the backup quarterback
1: <laughs> it was well, deandre hopkins whether he practices how much does he practice because if you go through this offseason similarly to what they did when Julio Jones came, where Julio Jones barely practiced, AJ Brown barely practiced, and you come out in a new offense to Ryan Tannehill and none of it, him and none of his weapons are on the same page, you're in for a world of hurt. Now, the Tennessee Titans have shown that they want to get things settled early and often, but now DeAndre Hopkins has to want to do his part. And now there's a lot of smoke around DeAndre Hopkins, whether he wants to practice or not. He wants to practice. It's always been about taking care of his health and load management, not that he's lazy. So how much now that he's missed OTAs, he's missed out on many camps. You know, he's not done any of this preseason work for or for any NFL football team. I, I'm sure he's worked out and stuff, but nothing about the rigors of going through and learning all this stuff. How much does that help
0: him participate more in training camp? So I, I was there when Julio got hurt. He was participating in almost everything, and then he got hurt, and then that kind of derailed that entire process. I, I would say, so I, to me, I, my number one thing that I wrote down here, for what I cannot wait to see, what I'm going out to practice, most excited to look at, is I wrote down positionless football. And a big piece of that is DeAndre Hopkins. And I think DeAndre Hopkins, much like Julio Jones, will probably get disproportionate amount of coverage based on what what has to happen. And I think what you just said is what matters the most, which is getting everybody together on the same page as quickly as possible. Because the whole point, and we talked about this, of DeAndre Hopkins being on the team is to free up everyone else to be moved around and for them to get super creative and for Tim Kelly and, Ryan Tannehill and Mike Vrabel and all and O'Hara to get all these guys and move chick around and move Traylon Burks around and find out where Spears fits and figure out if Kyle Phillips can play full-time in the slot. Like, and, and and figure out if all this works, like with right. all the pieces on right. the
1: field, you got to make sure it actually yes. works, right? It's not just yes. about doing it. And the only way it works is when you go 11 on 11s right. and you have Deandre Hopkins out there going full speed against the defense.
0: And and I can't wait To see how all of it comes together and what all of it looks like, the formations and the personnel packages and all the different stuff uh, of which DeAndre Hopkins is the biggest piece. I also think, again, the rookies and the second year players are a big part of that, whether that's Spears, whether that's Phillips, whether that's Chig, like Traylon Burks, like how have they developed? Do they still look as good as they did in OTAs? And mini camp, like it's, it's to me, it's the positionless football. What does that look like on offense and how quickly does it all come together? And if that's uh, to me, I'm not worried about Tannehill and all of this. I'm not worried about Derrick Henry and all of this. I'm, I'm not really worried about even Tim Kelly or the coaching. Staff. It's about the, the weapons, it's about the receivers and the pass catchers understanding the offense so fast that they can run it without thinking about it. And that's, your, that's what I want to see.
1: Start the season with easily your toughest stretch of football. You have to be on the same page week one. There is no, you know, when Kyle Phillips and uh, Lauren just pulled up, so these dogs are about to go crazy when she walks in through this door. It's
0: just because uh, you're making really great points.
1: Yeah, That's but, all. <laughs> you know, you saw the work that Kyle Phillips and Ryan Taniel put in all training camp come to fruition week one. The, the offense in week one versus the Giants did not look as sluggish as it did versus week one in 2021 with Julio Jones, AJ Brown and Taylor one and all those guys versus the Cardinals. Yep. So the point is, is that not only do I think that these guys need to be at training camp, uh, the vast majority of the time participate in throwing, getting to know each other and taking parts in 11 on 11s and seven on sevens, I think there's got to be a, a one preseason game at least where they do a whole quarter uh, and get two drives in. I just think you just need it. You just need when you have a new scheme and you have a new, I mean, it's an almost entirely new offense, right? I mean, your <laughs> offensive line is entirely new. Jondre Hopkins, you got Ty J Spears. I mean,
0: I mean, were Burks and Phillips playing at the end of the year last year? Yeah, right. I mean, like, no, you got to no, get all no these worries. guys
1: back in there and get, you got to get, you know, Kyle Phillips has to take a couple of hits and then live game action, you know, you know, probably same with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, sometimes you just got to get through these things. And, you know, I, I, the offensive line will get a lot of work together in preseason, but I think that the rest of the guys have to get some work how, together in preseason.
0: How many players that you expect to start in week one were starting in, in week 18 against Jacksonville? Oh, seriously. Aaron yeah. Brewer, but not at the same position. Yeah, seriously, who else? Like, like M.P.F.'s not going to be there. Nope. Like Phillips didn't play, Burks didn't play, Tannehill didn't play, Derrick Henry, yeah. and Aaron Brewer. Aaron <laughs> Brewer, that, yeah. Is that the only two people that started in a potential Chig, pseudo? Chick, but but he but he's in a different role. He might not have started that game. He might have been on the. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, I acknowledge what you're mid. saying. Yeah, but so two and a half. Yeah. two and a half players with a new coordinator and a new GM <laughs> and all an offensive line coach that's new and a running backs coach that's new L- literally all of it is new from the the play the pseudo playoff game you had to end last year
1: and i agree with avinning that like i don't know uh, if if Vrabel will and and maybe they do enough in training camp where they don't feel like they have to but to me i feel like it's got they it's just to me it's a necessity It's it's a necessity to just get it all not knock everything out like just get in there do a couple of plays they don't have to be like intricate plays get in there take some hits go down the field put some points on the board carry some positive momentum instead of having zero momentum.
0: And for those uh, who are listening on the pod, Aving says uh, Vrabel is not playing them in preseason. He prefers the joint practices. I do agree that he prefers the joint practices. There's yeah. no question about that. Now, also, can we get a definitive statement on how to pronounce that Aving's name? Is it Avining? Is it Aving? Is it Avinning? How? How do, I need to know how to say your name, uh, buddy? So just let me know. Tight, tight. Give us like a phonetic spelling of your of your handle there on the YouTube. I, I would appreciate that. Um, the other angle to me on this that ties directly into all the positionless football on the offense. And I think it is just an enormous storyline. And that is the tackles um, like dining. Okay. So a vining, a vining. There you go. Okay. Thank you, sir. I've now we will get it correct from here on out uh, is the tackles. Like, I don't think, I think Andre Dillard is just as big of a storyline and a question mark as the right tackle without MPF, whatever it looks like over there. I think the tackle position on the offensive line, we know what the middle three pe- people are going to be. We know what they should be. We know what it's supposed to look like. I, I still have all kinds of questions about Dillard. I don't know what, what he is or is not capable of, and we don't have a clue what right tackle is going to look like. So, to me, the tackle position is ju- almost as important as the, the skill weapons being on the field for practice time.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they had, they had brought in um, Chris Hubbard and George Fant on Saturday. Neither got a contract. George Fant got close, but they just couldn't come together in, in negotiation. So... Right now, I mean, your starting right tackle is Jamarco Jones, maybe? Like, to me, now that George Fant has has been put on uh, a pause, I guess you could say. Him and Chris Subbert are both on pause. Then you're looking at, like, is Brunskill going to have to move? Are they going to move Aaron Brewer and Brunskill and put in Levin? So now it's a little unsettled. Are they just going to have to get desperate and eat the money? I mean, maybe they're waiting. Maybe contract negotiations stalled because they're waiting on something else to to happen. I I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get, well, first off, maybe George fans just asking a lot. And if he's just asking a lot, he's asking too much. But you couldn't seal a deal with Chris Hubbard at all to get him in there. I am very unsettled about the offensive line where I was very used to a couple weeks ago before NPF was an idiot. Uh, I was very excited and very settled and content with the offensive line. And now I'm like complete opposite. And I was really hoping the fan thing was going to get settled. That way you now have that going into camp and you're, you're set, right? Like you, you know what the offensive line is now they're going to throw maybe, uh, Xavier Newman Johnson out there. Maybe they're going to throw Jalen Duncan out there and they're going to throw Jamarco Jones and see what sticks. Instead of just biting the bullet, you have the money just bite the bullet and sign George Fant to a little bit of extra money.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you, you freed up some space, Freed up all kinds of space this weekend. It surely cannot all be for
1: DeAndre Hopkins if it is. And that contract is way worse than what we all were led to believe.
0: Yeah, by the way, uh, I, I love you, Jim Wyatt, but I love when you post the article about how you've officially signed DeAndre Hopkins, and in the picture, we can see the piece of paper that he has signed. And yet, we still have no details on what's taking place. I'm sure that'll come out as soon as the show's you know, over. Th-
1: there's another, there's another thing, Dalton Risners out there. I mean, if you wanted to put him at right tackle, I don't know really how great that would be, but it's better than probably what you got in the roster. You know, there's, it, I, I'm sure they're still bringing in people for workouts and tryouts and stuff like that. Sure. But it sounds like they're going to go back to the plan that I thought they were going to do anyway. Was see what they got, and then you know get on their knees and beg for somebody free agency, I guess.
0: Uh, Ed says, you would think that teams have the leverage this time of year. I don't know. Like, there's sometimes when you have a, an opening at a position like MPF, yeah. and all of a sudden, you don't have the leverage. You need somebody that's a, that's yeah, a warm if NPF body. if
1: was still on the team, yeah, I'd agree the Titans right. would have the leverage. Right. But right now, the Titans don't have – I, I, they don't have true leverage. They have the leverage in the sense, hey, you could come play for an NFL team that just signed DeAndre Hopkins. Right. right. But in the true sense of the negotiating table, they don't have true leverage because they're probably wanting to pay for peanuts to carry over some of this money into next year. And I don't, and I think that he, if I'm George Fant's agent, I'm like, okay, that's fine. If you do not want a starting caliber right tackle and pay for a starting caliber right tackle, and I'm not talking like, 10 million dollars or anything but like they may want like three or four million dollars then we, we'll just wait you out because really right now uh, uh something like this if another team lost a right tackle then he's really created a lot of leverage like yep. that's what you got to think about what uh what okay what you're up next what do you got i i think the next big thing for me is the how does the defensive backs look um do they all stay healthy that has been for almost all of them has been a bugaboo um how does chris harris handle them getting beat because they'll likely get beat you know i can't wait to hear about his reactions on the sidelines and stuff like that because he's a very fired up guy but i think the only thing holding this defense truly back is the performance on the field of the defensive backs. And if this can get to that, my man catch no balls mentality, that was Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan and a Dory Jackson out there. And they match that with what the defensive line can do. Then you have a really good chance of being the elite defense. Everyone
0: claims it already is. Yeah. I, I love the defensive backfield as a storyline to watch because of Chris Harris, but also because if they do in fact stay healthy, knock on wood and, and like to see it's sort of their version of positionless defense to see Elijah Molda being moved around to see Roger McCreary in year number two moved around to see Fulton in a contract year, how motivated he may or may not be like, there's lots of moving parts that, that could be in a lot of different positions. And I think we know what they want to see, right? They want to see Bayard and hooker and Sean Murphy bunting. And they like, they have a lineup that they want with Fulton and then McCreary and Molden kind of float floaters. Right. And so I, I think they could be very, very good if they're all on the field together and, and can play the roles that Chris Harris wants them to play. Uh, but I, I think that's I mean, I, I, I'm more excited about that than I am concerned. But they're they get an injury or two and all of a sudden it becomes a real big concern.
1: Well, I, I think it's got to be a cons- to me. It's like it's a concern until proven otherwise. You have to you, they have to show that it shouldn't be concerned because it was a concern all last year the lack of ability to stop even the easiest wide receivers to stop. They, they, they just, they just really struggled yeah. so, so poorly last year. I mean, it was just so mightily did they struggle that it was, it, it took away from everything that was happening. And they, you talk about winning games. This team could have won games at close margins. If their defensive backfield had held up, so that's a i I'm, Big concern for me. That's the only con- true concern I have on defense is the cornerback play. Not the room, not the depth. It's the play of the cornerbacks.
0: and And these aren't necessarily just concerns. It's could be st- stuff that I'm excited yeah. to see yeah. or or whatever because i'm I am fascinated with the front seven rotation. As part of this conversation, because I'd love to know if Mike Vrabel in a, in a moment of honesty would tell you like, Hey, being that dead last in the NFL and pass defense was exclusively the play of the corners and the injuries of the safeties and et cetera. Or is it because we didn't have any middle linebackers on the field for the second half of the season? uh, Or now we, we didn't have Harold Landry or there's no depth behind Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry, like, but Dupree's absence. Like, so I think the, you know, Rashad Weaver's development, Monty Rice's development, Alshair's fitting in and how does he play I, I am fascinated, like, is Jaden Peavy a name? We've seen Mike Vrabel develop guys that break out on that position. he got all the the, uh, the the
1: physical attributes, right? I mean, everything that you're looking kid. for.
0: Yep. It. So, and then Naquan Jones, of course, is a big part of that defensive line, too. So, I want to see what the rotation looks like at edge rusher and pass rusher. And I want to see what the rotation looks like at middle linebacker. So, it's sort of like the second tier group, group front seven guys. We know who the top tier front seven guys are, right? We know Landry and Simmons and Tart and uh, Autry and Shire. To me, it's the second tier guys in the front seven that are more interesting to keep an eye on. And if they build some depth, fascinating, which ties into one of my uh, things here, which is just all the ACLs. I just want to see all the ACLs and see what they look like and how people are. Where are people in their Dylan Raiden's Caleb Farley, Harold Landry. Just It'll be old. a
1: while before you see the first two because they're on right. the PUP. But no Harold Landry on the pup is fantastic news for where yep. they feel that Harold Landry's at. Yep. And I am I am with you. That was one of the things I was gonna be excited about seeing because I want to see what Harold Landry looks like. How how much does he trust his ACL? What does him and Arden Key look like on the field together? Yep. How, what kind of jump does Rashad Weaver take in year three? We've we've always thought that Rashad Weaver had all the tools in the toolbox, but he's just not athletic enough to make an immediate impact like other other edge rushers. He was always going to have a slower progression to impact. Now, last year he did get five and a half sacks and he was pretty good at when, when needed to play. Now he's back into the rotational part of the depth chart and he's going to rotate in what kind of jump and impact does he make in year three, especially now with the court case, not
0: looming over I gonna his gonna head. Say, yeah. Free of distraction now as well. A uh, good question by Ed Henry. Of course, I wonder if they will practice at the stadium a couple of times to get a feel for the turf. I assume the answer is yes on that. Um, the other one here I'm going to throw out is place kicker. <laughs> like, like like special teams. Yeah. Like it's not just, it's not just the kicker either. We know the punter set is set. And we know the long snapper is set, but it's returning. Once again, the returning is returners. <laughs> ki- returners and place kicking. I think special teams is interesting to watch. I just feel summer. like we're in a time loop with those two conversations.
1: But, it, I mean, it will be interesting to see how much leash and leeway the kickers get, especially with, you know, Mason Crosby living in the area. A couple other kickers got kicked or kicked off their team. Robbie Gold is still out there as well, who has, you know, uh, history with Rand Carthon. So it'll be interesting to see how much leeway these kids get and who yeah. actually yeah. ends up starting job. But the kick returner, I'm like, I don't know if you saw Jim White's piece on like the special teams breakdown, but like he listed like 30 names as kick returner, like on the special teams piece. It was something ridiculous. It was just a jumbled mess. <laughs> it use bullet points, Jim. You could have, instead of trying to put them all in one paragraph, but it's just, an, it's an insane thing that yeah. yet again, we have no clue who the returner is. <laughs>
0: And it doesn't, as we talked about on our special teams episode, go rec. I recommend, go check it out. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, It matters a lot less this year on kickoff returns, because hopefully you're just fair catching every one of those and taking it on the 25. Um, But certainly it matters in the punt return business. I mean, it's, that's a big deal. So uh, I I think special teams, once you're you're exactly right, like deja vu all over again, here we are uh, discussing the returner and have they, have they cheap? Is it, is it, are they going too cheap at place kicker? Like, that's the yeah. other thing. It's like, it, it, you know, <laughs> uh, and of course, yes, uh, Shrike 113, forever a circle as long as Ackerman is there. I agree. I think Vrabel's got to own some of this strategy as well. I think, yes. I way mean, way. it's, I
1: mean, he's ultimately in charge if Ackerman has a job or not. So, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's Vrabel's fault, but it's, but, you know, I don't know. I like it's... <laughs> At some point, Ackerman just needs to be
0: gone. <laughs> like, uh, prove me special, wrong. Special teams under Mike Ribble making Zach Lyons choke up for years yeah. at years at a time. Uh, all right. So any other, any other things you want to throw out there with Titans stuff? I want we we're got like, we're going to be talking. Down,
1: you know, Colton Dow does. I'm interested to see Josh Wiley, Ty J Spears. I'm interested to see the rookies just as much as the guys making the second year jump, and that's you know yeah. includes Roger McCreary. That includes Chance Campbell. Uh, you know these guys that were drafted last year and this year that you know may be able to make an impact on this team
0: yep i, I agree how 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 comfortable does chig look uh which i think will be very and ken
1: uh, colton dow beat out racy mcmath and maybe threaten yep. chris moore nwi's job like what can this kid do that they saw to enough to get a use a seventh round pick on him
0: so, it, it, and here's, what's interesting about Deandre Hopkins. And we'll have lots of time to discuss this once we're actually out there looking at it, but it kind of was like five guys for one spot. Mm. It, now, now there's Deandre Hopkins at the top of the chart, moving everybody down. So, you know, you better be real good at special teams or a great return man, or just real athletic. If you're going to make the team now at wide yeah. receiver, which is a weird place, a weird thing, a weird sentence to say uh, heading into Titans camp in general. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, we got lots more for you on, on Thursday. And of course, we got we're we're here the rest of the way. So uh, stay tuned to a football show, football and other F-word, stackingbox.com, all that great stuff. Let's wrap up with some SEC stuff. I mentioned it would be interesting to see how the votes played out in SEC Media Day. And yes, it was interesting. In My the God. East, in the East, you have Georgia first place, 265 first place votes. Tennessee, second place with 14 first place votes, South Carolina with three. Kentucky with one. So that's third and fourth place. I don't agree with that. I'd have Kentucky third and South Carolina fourth on my ballot. Uh, Florida finished fifth, Missouri sixth, Vanderbilt seventh. I had Missouri fifth and Florida sixth. So I flipped those two as well. And then Vanderbilt, of course, eight first place votes, which I'm assuming is just every media member who in Vanderbilt. F- Florida and Missouri didn't even get first place votes. Like no, the,
1: the, They got zero first place votes, but Vanderbilt gets eight.
0: Yep. Uh and I got another I got another point to make about Vanderbilt. Uh, Alabama, this is the interesting one here. Alabama 165 first place votes to win the West. LSU 117. So pretty substantial gap there between Bama and LSU. I don't think I anticipated that. A&M with 1, Ole Miss finishes fourth with 0, Arkansas fifth with 3 and Auburn sixth with 4. Mississippi State seventh place with one first place vote. Uh Georgia was your overwhelming pick to win the SEC. 181 181- was-
1: That was interesting to me because you said that, I mean, you brought it to everybody's attention that no team has ever three-peated in the SEC, SEC, and it seems like Georgia does not have the, from the outside looking in, Georgia does not have the infrastructure needed to three-peat as an SEC champion.
0: I'd have to double-check SEC. No one's ever three-peated in college football national championship. I'd have to double-check, but I don't, now that I think about it, I'm not sure how many... SEC champions have gone 3 in a row either now that I think about it. Um, Alabama went back to back BCS titles in 11 and 12, but in 10 Auburn won it and in 13 Auburn won it also because or they they went to the SEC championship game because Alabama lost on the kick six in 2013. So I'm I'm just off the top of my head. I'm maybe Florida did it in the 90s but but either the way. Florida
1: did do it in the 90s. They went 4 you go. in a row. There and you
0: then Spurrier, that makes sense.
1: Alabama went Three in a row in 2014, 2015, 2016.
0: Yep, and that was the 14 Ohio State beat him in the playoff, and then 16 Deshaun Watson beat him in the national championship game. Uh, so either way, the, the, it's it's very, very difficult to do. Georgia 181 first place votes, Bama 62, so one-third, which is interesting, and then LSU 31. So that means in you had basically 100 people pick someone other than Georgia and 181 people pick Georgia. So basically two to one. Georgia versus the, the, the field there in the SEC. But here's my favorite part of the whole thing. Favorite part of the whole thing. Eight people, obviously as a joke, picked Vanderbilt to win the SEC East. Now, some of these guys I know specifically did it as a joke. I know for, for a fact. Well, who how do you team. feel about that? Because
1: you're a big think it's SEC stupid. guy and you write about college football and all that kind you of know, stuff. No, I think it's stupid.
0: I think yeah. it's stupid. So here – but. But again, it doesn't really affect the overall voting. Right. To be honest, it just sort of like it's it's a, it's a handful of votes. So I know the people who pick the Arkansas Razorbacks thir- three first place votes to win the West. I know exactly who they are, and they are not on air talent. They are producers who do this every year, and like good for them. They had a f- fucking laugh about it <laughs> when they were back in their hotel room drinking beers. There, that is exactly what happened with Vanderbilt getting eight first place votes to win the East. Here's my favorite part, though. Of those eight, three of them did not pick Vanderbilt to win the SEC championship. So eight votes to win the East for Vanderbilt. Five of those eight picked Vanderbilt to win the SEC championship. So three of you knuckleheads decided to pick Vanderbilt to win the East, clearly as a fucking joke. And then the three of you thought to yourselves, looking at your ballot at the exact same time, and thought, you know what, that's a bridge too far. Can't There's pick him to win parts. the SEC. Can't pick him to win the SEC.
1: Were you surprised that Jaden Daniels and KJ Jefferson were the first and second team, and Joe Milton was third? Like, I'm not surprised that they were on the teams, but I'm a little surprised that Jaden Daniels was first. He is number
0: two in your Heisman betting odds right now, so no, not at all surprised. I don't
1: see it he... from last year. I just, I don't see it from last year.
0: I would have had, K- I had KJ first on my ballot, and I had. Um, jay Daniels second on my ballot and then i think i had will rogers third on my ballot if i'm not mistaken uh joe milton and will rogers technically tied for third team but that's a really big vote of confidence for joe milton yeah uh, from the media uh, because you could he
1: must have made a really good impression don't you think you think a little (laughs) bit of that is just the impression that he made while he was there
0: and and the offense's floor frankly like we said we, we did hot takes on the show a couple of weeks ago and i think joe milton could be the most productive quarterback in the sec this year numbers wise and it doesn't mean he's the best quarterback or, or a third, third teamer, but there's so many good options. It was interesting to me that he got the votes. Devin Leary uh, also not there. Devin Leary wasn't there at Kentucky, but Spencer Rattler was and Spencer Rattler smoked that ass last year. Yeah. (laughs) So Spencer Rattler was there and is also very likable and very cordial in person. And I had a chance to talk with him for a second too. Like he didn't, he didn't pass he didn't get he didn't jumped up and get voted as third team so i i think it's the offense that people are voting for for joe milton they just think yeah. the offense is going to be that good and I, I think it could be um otherwise i don't have a ton like my order in the west was exactly that order my order in the east i had a couple teams flipped i'd have kentucky third i'd have missouri fifth but otherwise it was kind of kind of where it was i did pick alabama i voted alabama as i said last week i voted alabama uh over lsu and then i I don't think Georgia wins the national championship. I just don't I they might lose one game in the regular season and then go on to win the SEC or I just I don't think they're winning the whole thing this year. And it's yeah. it's weird. It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. Uh I don't have a lot to back that up because they have the best of everything. <laughs> so uh somebody's gonna do it though. I think it's gonna be somebody different, like Florida State or Penn State or Michigan or USC. Like somebody weird is gonna win the national title this year. I, I just yeah. You heard it here first folks all right on july 24th some weird shit's gonna happen it's probably gonna be ohio state
1: <laughs> yeah, it probably will be
0: damn it uh okay camp is coming this week folks it's great uh college camp's open in a couple of weeks it's great uh obviously make sure you check out Stack in the inbox football and other efforts sinkers beverages kingston group all of our great sponsors pop in up there bluegrass as well in hendersonville We do appreciate you guys. Uh, Thank you guys for hanging out in the comment section. Always a pleasure. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell, Tell somebody about the show. We do appreciate it. His name is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday.